Farzi, we've completed our alphabetical trip through the Ontario Hockey League, and we are moments from puck drop on the Kitchener Rangers 2021-2022 season. How does that sound, buddy? It is almost 20 months to the day. So this past week, in anticipation of the season, I was getting all my notes ready. I have what I call my hockey bag. It's a Memorial Cup swag bag from... I don't know how long ago, but that's what I take to the rink with me. I keep my binder and my notes. You keep your multicolored pens in yours. This is how it works. And I'm getting everything put together to start a new season. And I still had the last game that we broadcast, the notes from that game in my binder. Because I came home, the hockey bag, as I call it, went into the closet, and I haven't taken it out since. So March the 11th, 2020, Rangers storm. I I've kept that game sheet now in the front of my hockey binder. So every time we go to a game and start a broadcast, I remember when it all came to a stop, just so we keep in our minds that we shouldn't take this stuff for granted. I don't take it for granted at all. I, I can't wait to get back inside a rink um, and watch some hockey and get paid to talk about said hockey game. Um, Speaking of said hockey game, are you going to be able to wear a suit to the games? They fit in okay? Oh my goodness. So it's funny. <laughs> it's funny you bring that up. I have honestly, I've run the gamut during the past 20 months. I packed on more than my COVID. I'll tell you what, I'm going to be brutally honest with you here. I knew I was packing some on. I thought, boy, Farwell, you better lose 10 pounds, maybe 15. Uh, truth was 25. Okay. But I, I shed it, Chris. I, nice. I dropped like 22 pounds. However, I have since that time started going back in the other direction because if, if you haven't noticed, the pandemic hasn't ended. Hasn't it's, stopped, not, yeah. it's not going away. So I have, I just, just for, <laughs> for a trial, I put on one of my suits, my full suits to do my talk show on 570 News earlier this week. And let me tell you, it's a wee bit snug. I, I mean, I'm in it, but it's not, yeah. it's not perfect. I'm not going to lie. I, uh, yeah, this episode of the OHL Stories is brought to you by Weight Watchers. <laughs> Jenny um, Craig. Jenny Somebody Craig. Somebody help yeah. us out. Zoom. Uh, I, I had a couple weddings. And the very first wedding, I was like, I got to put on a suit. I'm like, this is going to be dicey. And a few of the pants were a little snug. And I thought, you know what? Maybe I'll just go with a little looser pair. Um, so I still got some work to do, but the good news is um, we're not going to be on a bus to Sault Ste. Marie for six hours, so I won't have to sit in dress pants. So hopefully I could just get away with, uh, you know, heading to the yacht and into the radio station there, and we can uh, maybe not have so many people see my tight pants, just you, and we'll have a theme song of, I got my tight pants on. That's the Jimmy Fallon thing. But. We'll have to call you Robbie Ray. Everybody was talking about his tight pants this season. Yeah, and don't ask if I can do up my jacket. We'll deal with that as the season progresses. Overrated, overrated <laughs> doing up the uh, middle button of the jacket. Yeah. So as we get back at this, uh, one of the things that occurred to me from all of the time off, and naturally with an entirely lost season, there's going to be some pretty significant change. But do you know how many coaching changes there have been in the Ontario Hockey League since we last broadcast a game in March of 2020? I guess earlier, six. So in my mind, I thought there's got to be at least seven. Hoper half the league, a full half 
has turned over. There are 10 new coaches in the Ontario Hockey League as we start the season. Isn't that crazy? It's it's not like like I said, you you guessed six. In my yeah. mind, I thought maybe seven. So Marty Williamson yep. takes back over in Barry. Uh, Tim Denton Flint is in there now because Eric Wellwood surprised people by stepping away there. Of course, former Kitchener Rangers bench boss Jay McKee now in Hamilton with the Bulldogs and takes Andreas Carlson from the Rangers as an assistant with them. Uh, Luca Caputi, the former Guelph Storm in Kingston now as the head coach there, or formerly with, uh, with Guelph as a, as a coach. Uh, Todd Miller in Oshawa. Dave Cameron, late of Mississauga in the O, and of course his, his pro time in the NHL. Dave Cameron in Ottawa now. Greg Walters from Oshawa when last we saw him, now in Owen Sound. Owen Sound's former coach, Alan Latang, now the coach in Sarnia. You've got Craig Duncanson up in Sudbury, and you've got Mark Savard, our guest on this podcast last week in Windsor. Did I get them all? I think I did. 10 new coaches in the Ontario Hockey League. Does Mike McKenzie count now that he's a full-time head coach? If he does, (laughs) then we're at 11. I don't think so. I don't think so either. He He was there when we last signed on, but he was that interim coach at the time. Look, a lot has changed in this league. So it's kind of fitting that there's a bunch of new coaches in new cities and new to this league. Um, New rules with the 19 year olds being able to play in the American hockey league. We had a female drafted into the league for the first time. We have a female linesman in the league for the first time. We missed a season for the first time, I believe ever in the Ontario hockey league. Um, A lot is new this year. The double cohort rookies coming in. Uh, I think we're going to get to see a lot of fresh new faces and maybe some teams that, you know, bear up in Ottawa. You knew what you were getting when you were playing an Andre Tourney team. Now, everyone knows what you get when you play with the Dave Cameron team if you've been around this league long enough. Uh, I love that Dave Cameron's now back with James Boyd as the GM um, in Ottawa. There's a bunch of new faces, and I think it's going to be, I think it's good for the league, especially when you see some of these guys um, coming back to the league like a Dave Cameron who has been around forever, like a Mark Savard, who is one of the best offensive player the o- players the OHL has ever seen and a, had a great career in the National Hockey League to come back to the OHL. I'm sure David Branch loves to see these former NHLers coming back into the OHL. You talk about that season, Chris, that, that was lost first ever. And we're going to speak with the commissioner. He is, as you know by now, uh, our featured guest on this week's episode of OHL Stories to check in of you know, obviously with the lost season, the impact that's had and, and where we're at heading into the campaign. But going back to the, the Mark Savard piece, and we had him on the podcast last week. And what I liked about what he said, or one of the things that he said was, this is where he wanted to be. He, he was an assistant coach in St. Louis with Craig Berube learning a bunch. But his, his goal, his, his idea was to get to the Ontario Hockey League. And he wants to be here for years to come. I'm not saying he's going to turn into a Stan Butler or a, a, a Mark Hunter. But uh, or a Dale Hunter, pardon me, but this guy wants to be coaching in the Ontario Hockey League. And I, I think that speaks, like, like you said, about Dave Cameron coming back. It's not a bad place to make a living. Even Jay McKee getting back into the league. I think you and I were probably both just as shocked that it maybe took him this long. But I think after losing his job in Kitchener, he wanted some time to decompress and find himself and figure out what he wanted to do. Um, but we've heard Jay talk that you know the OHL was where he wanted to be. Unless, you know, there was like a a magical job in the NHL that fit exactly what he wanted. It goes to show what this league uh, has and what it's capable of and the reputation that it has. And 
we hear from David Branch in the upcoming interview about how many players were drafted in the NHL even when they weren't even playing. So it goes to show what this league is capable of. And uh, there was a lot of talk around that many people thought that the loss of an OHL season last year would be detrimental to this league and the development of players and players coming to it. Well, Kitchener just pulled two kids that were supposed to go to the States to play in the O. So I don't think anything you know, is going to deter the, um, the reputation this league has had. And when you see guys like Jay McKee and Mark Savard coming into the league, Dave Cameron coming back, goes to show that those people who thought that the league would take a hit after losing out on a season were wrong. The double cohort makes this season absolutely wild. Preseason predictions are a fool's game anyway. And as fans come back to the arenas for another season of OHL hockey, of course, they think their team is going to go to the Memorial Cup. Just talk to the bus driver in Kitchener and find out what he thinks the Rangers are going to be doing this year. But every fan of every team thinks their team is headed to the promised land. We, of course, take part in the uh, annual uh, polling of you know who we think is going to win divisions, win conferences, win scoring titles, etc. The biggest fool's game this year. So I'm just going to say this. It's Shane Wright's world, and we're all just living in it. It's all I can predict. Yeah, I think you're pretty fair there. <laughs> that's um, the easy one, right? Right? Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. I love that like the uh, pre-NHL draft rankings came out and Shane Wright was by and far number one. And then I think the OHL, the next highest guy was like number 11, and that was Ty Nelson, who hasn't played a game in the league. And I just thought that's so <laughs> that's where Shane Wright is. The first overall pick into the OHL the year after Shane Wright is 11th. Shane's number one, which was actually his age group. It's I can't wait to watch this kid on the OHL TV, a brand new app. Make sure to download it um, just because we're not going to get to see Kingston because the West is playing the West and the East playing the East. I'll be watching as many France games as I can um, because, yeah, I can't wait to see what Shane Wright does um, in his NHL draft year after putting up, what, 40 as an underager in Kingston. I, I really hope, Chris, because I'm such a fan of, of this league. And look, I know we get the Homer comments all the time, and that's fine. If you're going to follow a team around for 68 games and call every one of them, uh, you, you develop a bit of an affinity for that particular team. But true as the day is long, I'm a huge fan of this league. And I, I do worry just a tiny bit, and, and we talk about this with Dave Branch coming up too, but there is an impact, let's be honest. People found other things to do over the past 20 months. You're always going to have your hardcore base. But I think for some markets more than others, there's going to be a bit of a slow burn and a slow build back to what was pre-pandemic. And just because there is so much competition for your entertainment dollar and, and frankly, your eyes today, that junior hockey in some cities just won't be top of mind. Certainly not as we are still enjoying some nice autumn weather. So we'll see, but I really, I just hope for the league's sake, because I, I love the league so much. And I think it's a great, I, I, the premier development league in, in North America. I have no doubt about that. I, I hope that the impact isn't too great from the, the last year. I don't think it will be. And for any team and organization that does have that, let's call it an issue where fans are maybe a little slower getting back to the rink. There's one thing that changes that Mike, and that's every team loves to hear a winning season. Yeah, absolutely. No matter what market you're in, no matter what your attendance normally is, you have a winning season fans will show up. So I'm expecting a lot of teams to want a winning season here early after the pandemic. 
or uh, during the pandemic as we sit here. But um, it'll be interesting to see because I think there's going to be a really long feeling out process. We've seen some moves at the start of the year here with um, a few minor trades, but nothing um, substantial like we would normally see. Like if you remember a few years back when Mike McKenzie and Kitchener made the deal for Logan Stanley before the season started, that's a big move to make to send a message to your team. Teams aren't doing that right now because teams don't know what they have. Teams don't know what other teams have. So I think there's going to be a long feeling out process to try to really determine because you're going to see teams that are going into the season thinking we're top five in our conference and then maybe they're bottom three you know, and to start the year. And then they're like, wow, we didn't realize that our players weren't going to develop the way that they did, didn't, or other players were going to develop the way they did. I think that feeling out process is going to be uh, at least two or three months into the season. Remember that Mike McKenzie likes to make those deals in the off season because they come at better prices yes. at that time, right? Jacob Ingham, what, what was it? Two thirds and a sixth, I believe was the, uh, the asking price for Ingham at the time. And uh, when last we talked, Inside an OHL arena, the Kitchener Rangers were uh, headed to the playoffs and and who knows what kind of damage they could have done. Yeah, I don't think James Richmond is picking up any of Mike McKenzie's calls in the offseason this year. Do you blame him? Um, but you mentioned Ingham and I mentioned that feeling out process. I think you're, it's I think it's easy to predict what teams are going to do well if you just look at goaltending. Any team with a 19-year-old goaltender with OHL experience is probably going to get off to a better start than teams with not because it's so hard for young players to come into this league. Um, it's the hardest for a goaltender. And when you have rookie goaltenders coming into this league, and a lot of them, if you're like certain people on this podcast and like to do a little sprinkle on the action, might want to take the over. Listen, I speaking of going back to those preseason predictions, uh, Benjamin Gaudreau in Sarnia is a guy that I'm betting heavily on to pick up right where he left off as a rookie and show us why he was a first-round pick into this league by the Sarnia Sting. And a guy that played last year, right? That sure. got some action and, and was out there playing where a lot of these kids haven't. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see when you, even you talk about forwards and defense, where they line up, you, you know, you, you typically put your first rounder in your top six or hope he's going to crackle. Well, now you have two first rounders. So you're going to have two spots in your top six for rookie forwards. If you're a team that's looking to make a push, probably, you probably don't want that problem. Um, I, I just think there's going to be so much to figure out only one way. And that is by playing the games, which is unlike recent years when you could just look, okay, this team's got 10, 19 year olds. They're probably going to be better than this team that has three. Whereas this year with the double cohort coming in, it's going to take us a couple months to get an idea as to who the Flint Firebirds really are or who the Oshawa generals really are. It's going to be a whole lot of fun watching that sort of play it out and, and, and the league sort of settle into a, a routine of some sort. And I, I'm excited because I think this is the year that gives us the, the best opportunity, says Captain Obvious, but of, of a huge surprise. Like some team is just going to get it figured out or their double cohort's going to take to the league better than somebody else's double cohort. And you're going to have an unexpected team right near the top when all is said and done in April. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what, what like fifth rounder is top five in OHL scoring come Christmas, you know, because that team's scouting staff did a good job or that kid just matured better in the off season or put extra work in. I think we're going to see a lot of that, you know, like a fourth or fifth rounder that should have been maybe a first rounder and some going the other way, some first rounders that maybe shouldn't have been picked that high. Um, it's going to be a huge learning process. And I know from my own 
outlook, like, you know, the first couple of years you get into the broadcasting side and following this league day to day, as opposed to just a fan, it takes you a couple of years to pick up on, oh, that's that player. Okay, right. And then you get a good idea as to how the rosters rotate and what what year kids were born. Now I'm first starting from scratch. But it's like being a rookie again. From scratch. Yeah. <laughs> my my knowledge has went from like a 10 to like a solid five because half the players I knew were out of the league. I'm with you. When I was putting that hockey bag together over the past week, I'm reviewing and refreshing on notes. That's why I was glad we had the alphabet tour through the summer to check in with every city. And I hope the fans did that too. find out what their favorite team is up to or what their favorite opponent is up to, because it gives us that opportunity to check in and, and see where teams are at. And, you know, speaking of that alphabet tour over the summer, you can obviously go back and listen to any of our previous podcasts. I noticed Popper last week when we were putting together Mark Savard, that was episode 49. So this is episode 50 already of OHL stories. We've had Sherry Basson on here. We've had the Parson brothers on here. We've had Bob McKenzie on here. Good reminder to fans of this podcast and fans of the league. If there's somebody you want us to track down, you would like to hear from on OHL stories, shoot us an email, farwellandpope at gmail.com or uh, you know, tweet at us uh, at farwell underscore OHL at underscore Chris Pope. Uh, we'll, we'll respond. We'll follow up and, and get more people onto this podcast that you want to hear from because we're having a whole lot of fun doing it. And now that we are back to the OHL stories part of the OHL stories podcast, uh, we're going to start checking the email regularly again. Farwell and Pope at gmail.com. Follow us on were, Instagram. I thought you were doing that the whole time. No, I wasn't. Um, <laughs> Follow us on Instagram, OHL Stories. We'll start to post little teasers up there again as we get back into this podcast and as we get back into the season. Looking it, forward to it. Yeah, it's it's really exciting. I cannot wait to be back inside a rink. I can't wait to go to, to visiting rinks. I just can't wait to be in an arena calling a hockey game. So plenty more to come. And hey, uh, follow along, subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review Uh, Give us a rating, even if it sucks, because we want to get better if you don't like what you're hearing. So all of that good stuff, we're ready to go. Buckling in for another season. I can't wait. Definitely leave a review on uh, Apple Podcasts. I noticed the other day that all of our reviews are gone. I think it's because we changed the name a while ago. But uh, yeah, leave us a review and uh, leave us a comment. Hit us up if you just want to tell us that we suck. That's fine too. Mom? I'll tell Um, you right now, I'm bound and determined. I'm still working to track down Ernie Godden. Ernie, come on. We want, still holds the record for most goals scored in an OHL season. We got if, if he's not on next week, I have failed us. But if you know Ernie, tell him to shoot us an email, farwellandpope at gmail.com. And now that we had Mark Savard on, we got to get Bill Bowler, the yes. uh, assist leader in the OHL. Um, now the general manager down there in Windsor. And I think I'm really excited to watch Windsor. They're going to be one of the teams I'm watching quite often on OHL TV using the brand new app um, because I want to see their power play. They got some big players on that team and Mark Savard's power play knowledge. I'm really excited to watch it. All right. We're excited to get to this uh, inaugural guest of the season and who better to have on the podcast as we launch a season after the lost season in the Ontario Hockey League. So, Popper, you always do this well. I'll throw it over to you. This man needs no introduction. He's one of the most powerful people in the game of hockey. Why are you laughing? Do, does he? No, I, I, I'm, I'm laughing only because you're right. He doesn't need any introduction. And towards the end of this interview, he will tell you why when he makes reference to Tom Brady. And it's gold, baby. It's gold. Ladies and gentlemen, the GOAT, 
of the Ontario Hockey League Commissioner David Branch. I guess the obvious question, David, is on the minds of many. We all feel the excitement and anticipation with the return to OHL arenas this week. How are you feeling as this launch date approaches? Oh, wow. You know, I I was reflecting on that, actually, Michael, and uh, there's a few things. Uh, One, I feel like a rookie, you know, in in anticipation of the season. And, And I can't imagine what our players that haven't yet played in the O are feeling along with their families. Uh, you know, it's a double cohort year coming in. Uh, we all know the challenges that they faced. I think uh, as young people and certainly as old people, it, it really uh, causes, I think, many of us to say, never take anything for granted. And, uh, and when you don't think, take things for granted, you value them that much more. And, and I really feel a sense of that uh, among our league staff, all our teams, uh, and so forth. And I would suspect uh, players uh, to the large extent as well. So great anticipation. Uh, the, the opening of any season is always special. And it's even more amplified for what we've all gone through here the last 18 months. So it's... Uh, Pretty, pretty neat. And, uh, you know, uh, remaining very uh, cautiously optimistic until that first puck drops uh, more night. But uh, it, it's special for sure. David, if you can take us into the discussions before this season started, what went into um, coming in line with the provincial standards um, to get this season ready to go? Well, I, I mean, first of all, um, the, the province, uh, through uh, the premier, through the sport minister, Lisa McLeod, um, were always open and uh, willing to discuss. And they really, you know, provided us with every opportunity to think that we are and would be able to start up this, this season. We came ever so close last year. Uh, at the first part of May or whatever that <laughs> date was, everything kind of blends together. And then all of a sudden uh, there was the new variant and boom, we had to shut down. So we had everything in place and ready to go and support from the sport minister, from the uh, chief medical officer and his uh, staff. So we felt good. We felt confident, particularly as you know, we, we like to think uh, we were part of the solution in supporting uh, the importance of everyone being vaccinated. And uh, when we, uh, you know, made the position known uh, in mid-July or thereabouts that the OHL community, which we defined as players, uh, coaches, support staff, on and off ice officials, uh, billets had to be fully vaccinated. That was step one. And then um, when we saw the reaction, uh, which was overwhelmingly positive, uh, we then knew uh, from watching, observing, and listening that we then had to draw in our communities who had given us incredible support. Uh, 
uh, all last year, etc. along with our facilities. And together we made the position that, hey, a fan, uh, 12 and up had to be fully vaccinated, etc., etc. So those, those were real two important building blocks that enabled us to feel really optimistic that if things were going to continue to progress in a positive fashion as it related to the variant, uh, we stood a good chance to move forward. It appears in line with those precautions and safeguards in place that maybe the schedule is on the cautious side as well, if I can say that, interconference only. So Western conference teams obviously only play the West, East only playing the East. And it seems a little bit uh, backloaded, if you will, a slower start. Teams aren't crossing into the States until November, as another example. How much thought went into that, Dave, just in case because of the unpredictability of all of this? Yes, Michael, a lot of thought. And, and, and first of all, as a byproduct, to me, there's a lot of things we've learned in, in a good way about what the pandemic has meant. And, and one of the things is don't be afraid to try something new. <clears throat> and I think uh, many of us had thought a later start would be good. Play more games after Christmas when the hockey season really ramps up. Uh, let's move the Memorial Cup a little bit later so that we can accommodate that shed. So, uh, I mean, going back to last April is when we put the pieces in place uh, for the type of schedule that you basically described, where it's 95% uh, interconference play only. Um, there is no cross-border play until the first part of November. And that was done clearly to hopefully provide as much time and space to be able to cross the borders in order to play. And, and as well, I mean, the whole aspect of the type of schedule is reduce travel, reduce costs for our teams, make no mistake about it in terms of uh, meals and accommodation, et cetera. But also there was a safety factor for our players. And uh, so, so at any rate, uh, to the credit of our governors, they, they bought into the plan. And, uh, uh, you know, as they say, knock on wood, it's working extremely well. And uh, uh, the players have not pushed back. Our fans haven't pushed back. I think our fans and players just want to play. So, hey, <laughs> you know what I mean? They weren't going to get too upset, you know, if uh, Kitchener had to see London too much as an example. You know, so... <laughs> But, uh, and it's working out really well on some of our aims and objectives in terms of our return to play. You can add at least the Kitchener media to that group that just wants to get back and play. <laughs> what the schedule looks like, yeah. let's just get us back. Um, <laughs> you mentioned crossing into the States. Does the OHL have a plan if that's not available as soon as they want, or have you guys thought that far? Hey, listen, the one thing the pandemic has shown is that um, it's so difficult and challenging uh, to plan ahead and then work your plans because it, 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 you know, so many things would pivot at a moment's notice, as they say. And uh, I, I'm pleased to state uh, that uh, we have reached a point where we're more than comfortable that we have been deemed uh, 
essential for our teams to travel and enter into the United States from Ontario. And uh, we worked out relationships with Port Huron and Detroit and Buffalo and Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan. Uh, this is very, uh, you know, early in our uh, discussion, not early in our discussions, but I, I can tell you it's the first time that we really publicly have stated that. Uh, we had a governor's meeting uh, earlier today, reported to all our governors, and uh, we've got total support and buy-in. And, and it was a great work. It was a team effort uh, among uh, some of our U.S.-based teams, uh, for sure, who had relationships with, with the border. And uh, we're excited that uh, we're, we're over that hurdle and we're ready to, ready to play and move forward. Great news. This league, Dave, as it moves forward, it has more than a century of tradition. Yet we know how much it hurts to have missed that entire season of, of 2020, 2021. How much of an impact will that have? How much of a concern is that as we launch a new season? Uh, in terms of spectator support, um, really interested to see uh, how that is going to work out at the end of the day. But based on feedback from our teams, great anticipation, great excitement. There, there's been the challenges of not knowing what our capacity would be. We're now, as you know, at 50%. And, and we're hopeful with working through with government, uh, we'll be able to increase that moving forward. So it's been hard for the teams and the league to develop a real sound, solid uh, business plan as it relates to ticket sales as it relates to sponsorships and other such things. But you know what? We'll, we'll find a way. We are finding a way. And we're no different than most other industries that have been impacted by, by COVID. So, I mean, we're, we feel good about that side of it. Uh, our players have been remarkably resilient. You know, guys, I, I mean, when you look at it, um, we had uh, 30 players drafted in last year's NHL entry draft, which, you know, uh, was about second highest of all leagues. It, it was remarkable. But it's a credit to our the quality of our players, the training we get both at our level and in minor hockey coming up uh, through the ranks. When you look at our national junior team or national under-18 team, Won the world championship. <clears throat> Over half the players were from the OHL, and we hadn't been playing. I mean, remarkable. And it shows you the resiliency of our players, of our coaches, et cetera, et cetera. So I think uh, one intriguing thing for me uh, is to really see how the players, you know, get up to speed uh, playing OHL hockey, particularly those ones that haven't played yet. Because as I mentioned earlier, it's a double cohort year. And I know one of the common comments <clears throat> from coaches and managers that I have spoken to throughout training camp is that, you know, a lot of players have really had their eyes open as to what it takes. And there's that adjustment period. That's, that's natural. That's understandable. And once again, uh, you know, the young people are extremely resilient. So those are a couple of areas that uh, are really uh, pillars of our league 
in, in terms of how we can continue to sustain our operations. As this thing is ever changing, as you said, you know, expect the unexpected kind of thing. Last time we talked, um, you said the OHL wasn't even thinking about a possibility of not having a season. Then, as you mentioned, that variant came in and it really didn't make any sense for anyone. Was it a decision the OHL made or was it a decision the government made or what went into that conversation? Yeah, Chris, I mean, uh, we had received permission prior to the variant rearing its ugly head uh, from uh, <clears throat> the chief uh, medical uh, officer and his staff. Uh, we had the full support of Lisa McLeod and her staff, the premier. Uh, in fact, the premier came on to a conference call with our owners and talked about how excited he was, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Then within two days, wow. And I mean, it, it was a mutual thing. We wouldn't have been able to play, but we understood, you know, we had learned. And uh, it, it was a, a challenging period of time for sure. Uh, but, uh, you know, once again, we have learned about uh, the importance of being flexible, understanding the problem. And uh, when you understand the problem, that's when you move to try and find the answer. You talked earlier about byproducts of the lost season and and one of those byproducts unfortunately and i'll just be blunt about this dave i i think the the rule stinks that that this league is losing uh the opportunity to see some very good very skilled 19 year old players because if they played 20 plus games in the ahl last season they have the opportunity to go back there always happy for the kid i'm unhappy for this league and, and the fans that might be denied those opportunities to see those players is that something that is a one-time exception being made, or should we expect as the CHL-NHL agreement is reconsidered that this might be something that's permanent where 19-year-old players could end up in the AHL? Yes, <clears throat> excuse me, that uh, <clears throat> excuse me is a great point. I mean, uh, a wise man once told me, Dave, no good deed goes unpunished. <laughs> and you know what? Uh, our good deed in that instance was within reason to allow our players that were given an opportunity to play, okay? Go to Europe and play. Play in the American Hockey League if they were given an opportunity. And, and that, that was the backdrop as to why those players, in fact, um, played in the AHL in this instance. Uh, the NHL then uh, developed a list of 10 players who had played in the AHL and said, uh, and finished the season, quote unquote, uh, in the AHL. And uh, for a variety of reasons, um, we came to understand and support the principle that we couldn't deny those players that opportunity once again to, in this coming season, to, to play in the AHL. So at any rate, I mean, when I look at the list of 10, Mike and Chris, I will suggest that at least three or four of them probably will play in the NHL this year. So we're talking about a very small number of players. And, <clears throat> excuse me, as well, there's an undertaking by the NHL, uh, to use your phraseology, that this would be a one-time thing. Because what, what was interesting, uh, of the 10 players, only seven were given the opportunity if they wanted to to play some American Hockey League. And 
I spoke to several general managers involved in that process, and they said, hey, Dave, understand we've come to appreciate maybe more than ever before that junior age players invariably aren't strong enough to play with men, so there's the risk factor. Um, we want them to go back to the CHL, to the OHL, uh, so as to see them develop and learn to dominate and understand that experience, not just to survive, but to dominate. And, and I think that's been a, a real good exercise for us to have those discussions with certain NHL general managers. And I feel very confident that going forward, uh, the rules uh, will remain as is in terms of access to players. If you're ready at age 18 or 19 to play in the NHL, so be it. But that's where you draw the line. As we inch closer to puck drop on the brand new season, finally, was there ever a point over the last 19 months you were concerned about the financial status of any of the 20 teams? Um, I think it, it, it's only reasonable to say yes. Um, I mean, I think we've had this discussion before. Uh, last year, we had approximately 350 plus players uh, utilizing their OHL scholarship. Our owners responded in full, uh, which they should, which they were obligated to, but they did so without any pushback. But I also know it created some real financial challenges. Now, we did receive some financial support from the provincial government, which helped offset that. But that was just one example because, you know, as you all recognize, uh, I'm sure most of our teams kept their hockey operation staff largely intact, uh, tried to keep as many of their business staff intact. So it was all, you know, a financially challenging time. But as I've stated many times, we were no different than any other industry. In fact, probably had it better than some, uh, for sure. But, uh, I mean, kept in touch with our owners. And uh, there was some... There was some sleepless nights uh, for some of our owners, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But as we started to see the light at the end of the tunnel, uh, there was renewed hope, renewed strength to, to see this through. And I feel really good that we're in a real strong, solid spot to move forward with all our 20 teams. Just got one more for you, Dave, before we let you go. Uh, and that's around... Uh, a couple of the things, well, I guess one is on, one is off, but we, we know the situation and I'm not here to pick on a kid, but we know the situation around Logan Mayu and how, how strict the league has been on that because of what is deemed acceptable conduct for a player in your league. And we also have a female linesman joining your league. How does the label of progressive commissioner, progressive hockey league sound to you? It's where we should be, I believe. You know, uh, and uh, it, I think it's important, I mean, to show that we not only, you know, preach inclusiveness, but to uh, hire the first full-time or, or rather, yeah, full-time, part-time uh, official in Kirsten, uh, I mean, is, is huge. And, uh, and the best part of it is, I mean, wow, yeah, she's a talent. And... Uh, you know what? She's going to be like our players. She'll, she'll be in the NHL before you know it. But it's, it's good. It'll help other young females uh, aspire. 
so I think that's that's important. I think that's good. On Logan, um, hopeful uh, that through the work of a lot of people, uh, and one of them being Logan, that he's going to come to have a better understanding on what acceptable uh, conduct behavior is. And uh, I mean, we've provided that caveat that he goes through, you know, the appropriate learning uh, uh, on this matter. So as to put him in a position to apply to the league for reinstatement. And uh, that's really important in our view. So uh, right now uh, we have his commitment. We have the cooperation for the London Knights and the Montreal Canadiens and quite frankly, others. So, Hey, we'll, uh, we'll hope, uh, and it's no different, uh, you know, than our drug education program. We're very, very big on the educational component here. And that's so, so important because we're dealing with young people. And uh, first and foremost, uh, before you turn your back on them, let's make sure uh, that they've been given an opportunity to learn and move forward. Because, hey, I know myself growing up, I, I had people give me second chances and opportunities. Uh, but it was always based on me being a willing participant to do what was necessary uh, to to right or wrong, you might say. But anyhow, it's uh, it, it's a great culture, I believe, Mike and Chris, that we've been able to develop uh, in our league in terms of the player environment, doing what's right. And uh, I, I think even blending some practical things of uh, community-owned teams with uh, private enterprise. You don't hear that discussion before. I remember when I started in the league, you know, there was a bit of a we day uh, of, uh, well, sure, Kitchener, you'll do this or want to do that because, you know what, you're community-owned. That doesn't happen anymore. Uh, I mean, there's, a, there's an acceptance, there's an understanding, there's been a growing together. Uh, and, and I think we learn from each other. Uh, and that's been really help, helpful and beneficial for our league as a whole. During a global pandemic, we have Taya Curry, we have Kristen, Kirsten Welsh breaking barriers. I, I'm pumped up for that. It's a great <laughs> thing to, and I'm sure this whole 19 months has just been a whirlwind. How excited are you for puck drop finally? <laughs> what do you think well, you're going to hey, think when that puck finally drops in the exhibition <laughs> game? Well, uh, I can't imagine how excited, first of all, the players are, because I know how excited I am. Can't imagine how excited our coaches, our fans are. They know how excited I am, and, uh, and like this is rejuvenated in many ways. I know myself about the passion and love and appreciation of our great game, and, and uh, let's keep it going. So, commissioner for another twenty. We just heard it. That's good. <laughs> uh, uh, he's, he's rejuvenated. And, yeah. Well, I was going to say uh, Tom Brady has nothing on me. <laughs> There's only one goat, Dave, and we know who we're talking to him right now. We know this. <laughs> That's got to be the clip we use for the the preview. Tom Brady has nothing on me. <laughs> you know, it, it's funny you talk about that uh, rejuvenation, and my family has said the same thing because the season can be can be a bit of a grind. You're gone a lot, and and we have kind of recommitted as a family, like not going to take for granted. Yeah. You know what? I might have to be in Erie one weekend or Flint another, whatever the case may be, but goodness gracious, uh, to get the chance to do what we do and be in these ranks and watch these players develop and these teams excel. 
uh, it really does help us refocus on that. Couldn't agree more. Well said. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Mr. Commissioner. Hey, thank you, gentlemen. Have a great year. I'm Matt Kundal, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.